This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. It's July 28th. It's Thursday. We appreciate you joining us on this episode of Real Talk. In just a second, Ashley Joanno is going to join us, a journalist uh, reporting for the Edmonton Journal. Uh, she was uh, covering the first United Conservative Party leadership debate. That was last night. Medicine Hat, the city of Medicine Hat playing host to that. Our first chance to <clears throat> hear the official, the confirmed candidates of this leadership race, the race to become Alberta's next premier in action. And there was a common theme, really. There seems to be a front runner in the crosshairs of all the other competitors, if you will. Now, will it play out that way by the end? We'll see. We'll get Ashley's take on it. She's, of course, covering it as a journalist, not as a commentator. So she's not going to give us fiery opinions. She's going to give us a sense of what played out, what she observed, and then we can sort it out from there. About a half hour from now into the show, we're going to talk to the former Premier of British Columbia. Christy Clark's going to join us, and I'm looking forward to a conversation on the future of conservative politics in Canada. We spent a lot of time talking about it. In our neck of the woods, as mentioned, in our home province of Alberta, that leadership race underway, I probably don't have to tell you the federal conservatives are undergoing the same exercise. Also a pretty clear front runner in that race. At least that's what the perception is. Will it play out that way? Yeah, most likely. Pierre Polyev's going to win the race. And will Pierre Polyev be the next prime minister? Who knows? That's why we have elections. I'm looking forward to speaking with former Premier Clark on that. Uh, Brandy Morin is hoping to check in with us. You know, the, the journalist uh, Brandy, just a force of nature, the author, a brand new book out. And of course, she's been covering this a papal visit the pope now in quebec that's where brandy is she says if her day permits she's going to check in with us but it's a fast moving type scenario journalists are getting shuffled here or there there's big security protocols they've got to go through there's a mass right now as we do this live on thursday morning a mass underway and so we'll see if brandy can join us if not we'll talk to her uh, probably tomorrow or into next week to get her take uh, and the observations that she's made, she's really doing a remarkable job. You can follow her on Twitter, if you don't already, at Songstress28 to see uh, the insights that she's gleaning, the people that she's talking to. She's doing an incredible job. Uh, we're going to read a couple of your emails today, and we'll get to some of the other stories that are making news. Let's get right to it. We have limited time with Ashley Joanna. Before we get to her, we want to give you a bit of a, a synopsis of the debate last night. So we're not going to play half an hour, 45 minutes eclipse, but I want to give you a little snippet. In this collection, you're going to hear from Brian Jean. You're going to hear from Rebecca Schultz. You'll hear from Travis Taves, formerly the finance minister. Of course, they resign to seek the leadership. You're going to hear from Leela Ahir, and you'll hear from Rajin Sani. And here they are last night from Medicine Hat. We need le leadership to drive change. We need better management, better executive decisions, better decisions. Leadership is not about great talkers. It's about making good decisions and having a track record of good decisions or having bad decisions as a track record. Again, if you want to see what I would do fiscally and economically as Premier, look at what I've done as the Minister of Finance. 
I lowered taxes, we, that which resulted in expanded fiscal capacity and expanded government revenues. We brought fiscal discipline to government spending. That combination gave me the privilege of presenting the first balanced budget in over a decade. Gone are the days when we rob from our children. We need a leader who can take us into the next generation of our conservative movement by bringing Albertans along with a vision of the future. A vision for jobs and economy, yes, not leaving our children, my children, yours, with debt so that they can't meet the demands of their time because they're paying off the choices made in ours. We know that, but we also need a vision of hope and optimism and opportunity and a plan for our future. We are looking for governments that will have a strong team empathy and insistence on customer service, education and health care, and working constructively on all levels of government to show a capacity to learn and to grow. And we will listen and we will collaborate and we will lead with humanity and we will look at a shift in the culture that will actually bring us forward. So it's not just about winning in 2023. You win in 2023. We lead together. We're here today because members spoke. Members wanted a change, and that's why we're here today. My campaign is focused on trust, transparency, and accountability. That Canada is going down a dangerous path, led by destructive policies from the Trudeau Liberals. We can respond impulsively with anger. That would feel good, but it is risky. I have experienced the economic turmoil caused by unstable and unpredictable government. I talked about that today as well. The answer, the answer isn't to threaten sovereignty or separation. We do have a choice. One choice is to roll the dice on risky and hot-headed ideas. But if we lose that gamble, the losers are Albertans. It's all of us. That was uh, Rajan Sani wrapping it up there. You heard the reference to sovereignty. It's a, a direct uh, aim, isn't it? Danielle Smith and her crosshairs. Todd Lowen, you heard his voice as well, former MLA. You remember sitting as an independent most recently after being booted out of Jason Kenney's United Conservative Caucus. Ashley Joanna is a legislative affairs reporter for the Edmonton Journal. She's uh, reporting now on politics in Alberta. Has been for the last couple of years after uh, nearly a decade uh, practicing and honing her craft journalism in the Yukon. We're grateful to have her joining us this morning on the heels of this leadership uh, debate. Thanks so much for making time for us, Ashley. It's nice to see your face. Uh, your, your general impressions as a, as a journalist uh, making these observations. You're probably paying attention everything to the, the key words, uh, to, to, the, to the focus of some of the comments, even even the body language. What What jumped out at you in this first debate? It seems that the questions before it started uh, were going to be about were, were about unity and healthcare and the economy and the environment, but the answers largely pivoted back to Daniel Smith, to her policies, including the Promised Sovereignty Act, and and to to things that she has said recently. Um, she is considered one of the front runners. Both her and Brian Jean uh, are at the top of the pack. And Travis Taves as well is sort of in the mix. And then the rest of the, the candidates, at least in recent polls, haven't really shown the same, um, haven't really shown the same numbers yet, although the polls obviously are pretty early. Mm. Yeah, this 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 idea of of Danielle Smith being the front runner in the race, to me, anecdotally, it's pretty obvious because there's a lot of chatter about it. A lot of people are talking about the things that she said. 
And then there's the the idea that Brian Jean is also a front runner. He's got some name recognition. He's certainly got credibility, particularly into northern Alberta uh, with his family's legacy there, his political involvement over the years, his, his fundraising capabilities, his, his ability to get out the vote in that region of the province. But it's been interesting to me, and I've said it on the show before, it feels like his campaign hasn't been that aggressive. They've not been, I'm not saying that that couldn't be a strategy. I'm not saying necessarily that they don't have a plan. But when you note Brian Jean as a front runner, are you talking about polling? Are you talking about things that you saw people commenting on before or during the debate? What gives you that sense? No, I'm talking about polling. There have mm. been a couple of polls that have come out recently that have put Gene uh, and Smith and Taves sort of as the top three um, in in the in the race right now. Now, there people have pointed out that those are the three that started their campaigns earliest, so they have been at it the longest. Um, but that's where the early numbers look right now. Okay, uh, Danielle Smith. I wanted to, uh, you know, I, I didn't include her in that montage there because I wanted to specifically uh, point out this moment during the debate last night where she sought to clarify, in her words, her comments about cancer treatments, about cancer detection, particularly in the first three stages of cancer. Her initial comments made to a naturopath obviously made a huge impact on some of the political discourse in the province. Charles Adler was on this show talking about it just a few days ago. This is what Danielle Smith had to say about it at last night's debate. There are so many more options. If you diagnose early, then you can treat early. And that's what I was trying to say, albeit very awkwardly. But it's in that vein that is why I proposed health spending accounts, because we spend so much money on the back end when people have a disease that manifests and we spend no money on the front end on prevention to keep people well. And so if we were to establish health spending accounts with $300 in it, we'd all be able to deal with the trauma of the last two years. Mental health, counseling, nutrition, dietitian, naturopathic doctors, chiropractors, physiotherapists. If we can start spending some money at the front end, I think it's going to be transformative in the system. And we will save money as people are not going into the system. And when we get into fall respiratory virus season, we're going to make sure that we have enough room to be able to handle that surgeon patient it was an interesting context for her talking about that for, for people that are just listening to the podcast. So the majority of the audience, uh, the, these candidates are debating in front of like a medical rescue chopper, like a, like a helicopter ambulance type thing. No surprise to see healthcare in the forefront. Did you get the sense, like based on even the body language of her opponents, did, did, did the clarification work? Do you, did, I mean, did, did you think, I mean, with the goal there to take some of the heat off the initial comments, about the first three stages of cancer being completely within your control. Do you think it was effective? I don't know. We'll have to see. The, uh, the, it wasn't enough for the folks on the stage, for sure. Like, they they continued to hammer her on it and ask for an apology and say that she, you know, shouldn't have said what she said and that it was offensive to people with cancer and people with family members who had cancer. So it, it certainly didn't didn't satisfy the people she was debating against. Yeah. Ashley, there are a lot of ways that this race could play out. And, and and I think that people would benefit to look back on some of the other leadership races, even conservative races in the province of Alberta. I mean, Ed Stelmack's a good example. How it's not always the front runner that winds up the winner at the end. Can you clarify for us and can you remind us sort of how this all works and, and the different ways that it could play out? I'm not asking you to pick horses, but, but it's not necessarily always the front runner heading into the debates or coming out of the debates that winds up the winner. 
Right, so it's preferential voting, which means that um, voters get to rank their preferences for who they want. And then assuming no one gets a majority of votes in the first round, uh, you'll go uh, subsequent rounds uh, and uh, voters whose first choice gets knocked off the end of the list will, their vote will go towards their second choice until someone ends up with um, the, the required amount. I think that that's important to, to be aware of too, because if you think back to Jason Kenney's leadership review, the party had, forgive me, I think the number was something like 60,000 members. Like, and that, that is part of what led to the controversy of moving the whole thing to, uh, to mail-in voting because they just had so many people. Yeah. So you've got the 60,000 members that were in place uh, for the leadership review, plus the candidates are presumably selling memberships as they're campaigning. So who knows how, how many people will actually be eligible to vote by the August 12th cutoff, which is you have to have your membership by August 12th in order to qualify to vote in October. And the um, race is on so now, right? The race is on right. to sell those memberships. Right. And then you add that to the fact that even in the early polling, 33, depending on where you look, at least a third-ish people are still considered undecided. So between the number of people, the fact that it's a ranked ballot, and the amount of undecideds, there's still a whole bunch of ways that this could shake out. Yeah. Ashley, Joanna, I, I know I happen to know that uh, your presence is required. They're getting set to record the Under the Dome podcast for Post Media, so I got to let you go. You're in your legislative office, right? You're, at, you're, you're under the dome as we speak right now, aren't you, relatively speaking? I am, in fact, under the dome, yes. Yeah, good stuff. Well, hey, listen, keep up the great work. I enjoy reading your coverage all the time, and it's nice to have you here on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yeah, you bet. You can follow Ashley Joanno on uh, Twitter as well. Of course, we, uh, we we release the handles. We let you know who's coming up on the show every morning from our official account at Real Talk RJ. It's going to be interesting to see. You get the impression, you get the sense that you know there's there's really nothing you can do, a candidate can do to control some of the public opinion or the buzz around a candidate, right? Daniel Smith's done a really good job of getting people talking about her and talking about her campaign. If you're on social media, if you're the type of person that when you get up in the morning or through your day, you check to see what's trending, you check to see what's going on. Her name has been trending nationally pretty much since her Real Talk interview a couple of weeks ago. Like on and off, sure, but for the most part, it's been this sustained trend, which is hard to maintain, or hard to sustain, maybe I should say. But her team is doing a good job of making sure people are talking about them. It's not all flattering. It's not all good. But in politics, that doesn't always matter. And so maybe it is a race for second place. Maybe it is the race for these other candidates, Brian Jean, Travis Taves, Rebecca Schultz, Leela here, Rajan Sani, maybe Todd Lowen. I don't know. I think, you know, with respect, I think, Todd Lowen has a name recognition problem. I don't think most people know who Todd Lowen is. He would certainly appeal to the more socially conservative element of the party. If that's the case, he'd be competing against probably Danielle Smith, probably Brian Jean for those votes. Travis Taves to a certain degree as well. Taves going with the steady Eddie approach. You heard his clip there. Right? He says, look to my performance as finance minister. Talked about a balanced budget. He wants you to look at his track record. So for these candidates, whoever wants to win, which is all that matters to them at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who the front runner is. It doesn't matter if you're leading through the campaign. You don't care about that. 
You're aware of it. You might prefer it. But sometimes it's better to be chasing and to be the second choice of most people as opposed to the first choice of some people. There are a lot of people that will say, for example, that Daniel Smith is their first choice and then there are other people that will make her their dead last, right, on that ranked ballot. So she'll get a lot of points for first and, you know, very few, if not none, for last. Whereas if you can be someone that's palatable, reasonable, is premierial a word? People always say in the debates, you, can you come across as prime ministerial? Can you come across as premierial? <laughs> What's the word? I don't know. If you can come across as that and be the second choice for most people, you could win this one. And the stakes are high. Premier. We'll continue to keep an eye on this. You can let us know where you're landing on it. If you watched the debate last night, of course, we'd love to hear from you. I see some criticism about the health spending account from Real Talkers saying that 300 bucks isn't going to go far at all. $300 is laughable, says Susan. Emma saying the same thing. You're not wrong. $300 doesn't go far. People will say, well, it's a mental health support. You know, what does that get you? Like an hour and a half of counseling total? Probably counseling is about 200 bucks an hour, approximately. Unless you're lucky enough to find someone that can do it for less or perhaps you have other resources available. But we know that cost is the biggest barrier to most people finding the mental health supports they need. What about dental health? What about chiropractic? What about some basic prescriptions? You're going to go, what's 300 bucks you're going to cover for my prescriptions? Uh, maybe better than nothing. I hate to put words in people's mouths, and I certainly don't speak on behalf of people, but I ran into Sandra Azakar the other day with uh, Friends of Medicare, and Sandra's been a passionate defender of public health care, an advocate she would probably prefer, an advocate for public health care for many years. Walking our dogs, I was walking down the sidewalk, ran into her, hadn't seen her for a while. It was nice to catch up, delightful person. I said, how do you feel about this health spending thing? And she kind of smiles and she says, well, she goes, Danielle and I probably wouldn't agree on a lot of things. She says, but I don't mind the idea. But she was quick to clarify Maybe she suspected I might recount this interaction on the show. She said, I don't think it's going to take pressure off the system. But I don't hate the idea. It's $300 for people to be able to, and I don't want to come across here like I'm trying to sell the idea, but, but I don't, and I said it to Danielle myself. I said it to her face when she was on the show. I don't mind the idea of it. I think it's an interesting idea that somebody could pursue some treatment based on their own discretion of how they'd like their personal health challenge to be addressed, or perhaps it's a proactive measure. It's estimated it'll cost the province of Alberta if it is implemented, you know, if she wins the leadership, when she's premier, if she budgets for it, if she delivers on that uh, promise, you know, about a billion and a half dollars, 1.4 billion. The provincial budget's just under 50 billion. So it gives you some perspective, some sense of it. But yeah, 300 bucks doesn't go that far. Some of you will say, well, I'd rather talk about a national pharmacare program or I'd rather talk about including dental health in what public health care covers. Talk to any dentist. I mean, obviously they have an interest in it. But the correlation between dental health and cardiac health, as an example, is significant. You can draw a direct line. People know that dental health is important, yet we don't cover it. Why? I'm sure chiropractors would love to make the same argument. I'm sure a lot of practitioners would love to make the same argument. Corey, meantime, says I'd way rather see them spend that money to actually figure out how to make healthcare more affordable from within. He says, I bet most people wouldn't even use that 300 bucks on healthcare. (laughs) 
And Haw's not wrong. Says 300 bucks is enough for gas to get me to the appointment. But what do I do then? Yeah, Haas, point taken. Christy Clark's coming up in just about 10 minutes. Before we get to that, I want to thank some of the sponsors that keep Real Talk happening day to day, and that includes the team at Apex Automation. We've been telling you how eager they are to catch the ear, to grab the attention of the most talented engineers in the country. The team at Apex Automation, their growth over the past number of years has been astounding, and it's probably because their partners are are noticing and exhibiting, they're proving that these autonomous solutions they're providing to industry are actually working. They're giving people back their time, and they're looking to grow their team. Flexible hours, professional development opportunities, and a great corporate culture are just some of the reasons why more and more engineers are looking at Apex Automation for their next career opportunity. You can find them online today. Check out their career listings and get in touch via apexautomation.ca. Our friends at Eden Landscaping want to remind you, you've still got plenty of summer left to enjoy your outdoor space, so why not bring it to life? Their talented team's been doing it for more than 20 years. Whether it's a retaining wall, a water feature, an outdoor kitchen, a rock garden, maybe some of those native grasses. You know, a lot of people are overhauling just that boring sod look in their front and backyards. Eden Landscaping, get you started on that today. Visit them online at landscapeedmonton.ca. Our friends at Park Power are keen to let you know that they've got an opportunity for you to keep money in your pocket. It's as simple as checking rates online, electricity, natural gas, and internet. If you bundle them together, save on admin costs. That's money that's staying in your household. Plus, when you sign up today with the promo code 2022-REALTALK, they'll knock $70 off your first bill from Park Power. We ask you to get in touch with the show. We thank you for your emails, and we appreciate when you share your thoughts with us. This one from Barry yesterday, who wrote in from beautiful Stony Plain. Shout out to Stony Plain. Barry says, uh, he says, I I tuned in to the show on YouTube this morning. Thanks, Barry. He says, because as an old white boomer, it's a priority for me to hear from indigenous voices through this visit from the Pope. He says, Barry does, I've got a large soapbox and I like to use it. But on this occasion, it's my time to listen. He says, your conversation with Aaron Paquette in particular prompted this email. Mr. Paquette has impacted me before through his art. If you missed it, I talked to him, the Edmonton City Councilor, just yesterday on the show on July 27th. Barry says uh, on the third floor at the University of Alberta Hospital, Mr. Paquette has a series of paintings hanging. And twice, due to cancer-related surgeries, I was on that floor. And I took those nurse-encouraged recovery walks past those paintings. I would pause at each of them and, and try to make sense of the world. My wife told me just yesterday that when she visited with my uh, two, three-year-old grandson, uh, both of them, they would pause at the paintings as well. Barry says he's a genius, so I'm sure he made sense for grandma. But there we have my privilege. My intergenerational experience from my grandparents to my grandchildren is one of family connections. We don't have separation. We have lap time. We have shared story. We have family nurturing. We have trust. We have love. So when the counselor spoke on Real Talk, I could feel the emotion. It was evident. I could hear his desire for healing. I could hear his hope that the privilege I had would be part of the lives 
of our indigenous peoples. He inspired, in particular, with his closing comments about our role as adults and the rights of children. I do have hope. That from Barry. What a beautiful email. Barry, I so appreciate that. And we got this one from Phoebe, and I wanted to share it all with you. Phoebe's a doctor at the earlier stages of her career. She says, I was listening to Monday's episode of Real Talk on the podcast. I wanted to write in, mostly because I I got quite riled up. (laughs) Phoebe says, I'm a rural family doc, born and raised in the province of Alberta, relatively new in practice, so, so I'm not an expert by any means, but I'm there. She says, first, the Hockey Canada bit. There's a lot of talk about people being disgusted and various emotions from hockey-loving folks who are, quite frankly, appalled by the allegations. Now, disclosure, I'm not a big sports fan myself, but I have watched the World Juniors in past. She says, frankly, I wasn't disgusted. I was angry. She says, I agree with Charles Adler and what he said earlier this week on your show. It's not a hockey problem. It's an all-of-society problem. You know, despite the Me Too movement and, and recent celebrity cases in media and all the incredible work done by advocates and survivors on awareness and toxic masculinity and rape culture, these are part of our society. Rape culture, you know, a society or environment whose prevailing social attitudes have the effect of normalizing or trivializing sexual assault and abuse. That's what we should be talking about. Yeah, specific cases and instances need to be investigated, but to fail to call out the culture to discuss these cases in context is a disservice to survivors, in my opinion. Phoebe says, I'd also point out that sexual assault is not about sex. It's about power. The survivors that I see from time to time in my work have had their power and their agency violently taken from them. We try to give some of it back by giving them control over the process. For instance, whether or not they want to have a forensic exam, you know, commonly referred to as a so-called rape kit, or how they want to connect with victim supports, etc. She says, again, I'm not an expert on any of this, but I wanted to broaden the conversation because it's not about any specific sport or even the institutional silence and cover-up, though, of course, that's deplorable. Says, so I wonder if any experts might be able to expand on this on your show. That's a challenge that we accept, Phoebe, and I appreciate it. She says, secondly, and, and I'll acknowledge, this is Jesperson talking now, that Danielle Smith did seek to clarify her cancer comments yesterday. Whether or not it was effective, we'll see. This comment was written in before yesterday's follow-up by Danielle Smith, but she says regarding those comments on cancer, the idea that people living with this advanced stage of this disease could have somehow naturally remedied or lifestyled their way out of it is quite frankly ridiculous. Phoebe says, I think that you covered this well. I would add that for somebody who purports to want to lead our province, the craziness of the statement, or even of the idea, quite frankly, of giving healthcare dollars to, to each individual to spend as they see fit, that's not the worst part. It's that she's not talking about the real problems. She's not even swimming in adjacent territory to the real issues. Phoebe says, I was fortunate to have had a few months away, and I recently returned to work in full-scope rural family practice. Things were bad in March, but they're terrible now. She says, our healthcare system is overwhelmed. We don't have enough beds because we don't have enough skilled labor. We don't have enough skilled staff. Patients are waiting hours in emergency rooms because the inpatient wards have no nurses. And the others, they're not just burnt out. They're fried to a crisp. Wow. Not just burnt out, fried to a crisp. 
Some rural and regional sites that offer emergency services or obstetrical services are hanging on by a thread. This is the product of demographic issues prior to our current government, right? An aging population, more complex health concerns, lack of access to health services in rural areas. But it's been made much worse by strains from the pandemic as well as misguided policies under this government, including a disdain for health care workers. This is coming from one. Danielle Smith wants to talk prevention. Sure. Preventative health starts in primary care with family doctors and the community teams that they work with, like home care and therapists and PCN nurses. It's been gutted under this united conservative government. And there are thousands or maybe hundreds of thousands of Albertans without a family doctor. And they're the ones that are paying the price. She goes on to say that young doctors like myself are finishing their training and they're not sure where to go or how to practice because entering a system where the load is shared among too few will only result in quick burnout when we have decades of productive careers ahead of us. As I said, I'm new and I'm still learning. I love the work that I do. And I think that some of my more experienced colleagues are frankly too exhausted to think of commenting on the bigger picture systemic issues, though, of course, they recognize them. Most of them are in survival mode. Phoebe says, I just don't think Albertans realize that if we have another COVID wave or any other shock, our system, which we've always been proud of as world class, just can't handle it. We are already bursting at the seams phoebe signs off says i listen to the show when i can and i enjoy the diversity of perspectives thanks for your service to our healthcare system and thanks for taking the time to write in phoebe we really appreciate it want to give a shout out to the teams at st albert and sherwood dodge who have been with us since before this show is even a thing you know we talk about coverage across the province when it comes to businesses that are making an impact in their communities these are two dealerships that have been living that community involvement for years they were there for us at our pond hockey classic they were there for us at our golf tournament they've been great supporters of the charitable causes that we support and we're proud to partner with them including their teams in the service and parts department trust is such a big issue when you're dealing with your vehicle I mean, really, what requires more trust than that vehicle that's taken your family from destination to destination this summer? Jeep leads the safety standards in its class, and you can find the best selection in the province. Jeep, Ram, Dodge, you have it. Mopar enthusiasts are looking to Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge when they're shopping for their vehicles. The team at Local Environmental wants to remind you that Trash Talk is coming up this Friday. If you've got something you want to say, the best way to get it to us is through our email to talk at ryanjesperson.com. You know, some people say it's only garbage, but not to Local Environmental Services. They believe that communities deserve better. Better service, better prices, and more support for local causes. They can show you how they can help with what you're planning, whether that's a home renovation, whether that's a big landscaping job that's going to require a front load bin, or maybe it's a music festival. Maybe it's a block party you're throwing. You need some portable toilets and fencing. Look to localenvironmental.ca. Did you know the federal government has $40,000 available by way of an interest-free loan right now for Canadians that are looking to get solar panels up on their roofs? The team at Kubi Energy 
always handles the paperwork so you don't have to. There's another five grand up for grabs that you don't have to pay back. This is a federal government keen on seeing sustainable energy implemented into neighborhoods across the country. The team at Kubi can give you a free quote today by way of their website and explain to you how that interest-free loan works. You can find them online at kubienergy.ca. And don't forget, if something's filled your bucket, if something's made your day, we want to hear about it for positive reflections. That'll go on Tuesday of next week, the first show of the week. We're taking the August long weekend. And so Tuesday, we'll be back with positive reflections alongside the Leading Edge presented by Leading Edge Physiotherapy. It's going to be a pretty positive, optimistic, forward-looking show on Tuesday, pal. That's which, the way, that is it, good. It's way it should that. be after a long weekend. We I'm looking, yeah, I'm looking forward to that we one. We need that nowadays. So we had a bit of a snafu this morning, which happens. We're trying to figure These it out. These things happen. Uh, these things happen. We're looking forward to talking to former BC Premier Christy Clark, but it sounds like there might be some connection issues, and if that's the case, we'll reschedule the interview. But Well, but, we've, we we may be able to just do audio with her, so we're trying to deal with that right now in the background. Yeah, the okay. video, she's up at her cabin right now. Oh. She's on holidays. Uh, so we're trying to get her in right now to do some audio, so hopefully we can do that. The video probably not a go. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm thinking is that we can just figure it out for another day so she okay. can turn us on video. Is that easier for her? I know that I'm watching you problem solve behind the scenes. People don't realize we need a Hicks cam <laughs> so people can see all the stuff that happens behind the scenes is I'm I'm sort of like flying the plane and you're the gunner. Yeah. You know, you're keeping an eye out all around for us and, yeah. uh, you know, you're working with the rest of the team and with our guests and, and trying to figure this stuff out, but it's, it's no problem for me if she wants to reschedule for tomorrow, whatever, you can just even let her know that. I mean, we're doing this live. This is kind of funny, but but uh, I can just get in touch with her after we wrap and we can sure. figure it out for tomorrow. Do you think well, that might work better? We will for her? know in a minute or two. Here, we'll know so. in a minute yeah. or two. Okay, good stuff. Well, you know, I wanted to also just update you on a, a story from yesterday, and this is one that, that a lot of people are paying attention to. It's pretty hard to ignore, and that's the fallout uh, from this Valbella gourmet food story. And we were talking to you about this yesterday. We had Dr. Christopher Wells on the show. Um, is it possible for you to call up the clip that we put out from our social media yesterday with Dr. Christopher Wells? Uh, this is one, an interview. He's the co-founder of Pride Tape. If you're not familiar with his advocacy, uh, he's done a ton of great work at McEwen University and, and working with LGBT youth um, and, uh, and, and has really been uh, the type of individual that's been able to put into words why certain things are so important or why certain things are so harmful or why certain things are so impactful. The background to the story, if you haven't heard it, I suspect you probably have, but a Canmore-based business was solicited uh, by Canmore Pride. They asked for their support. It's the type of thing that happens when festivals are going on. They, they approach local businesses and ask them for their support. And the uh, individual who claimed to be an owner of this company, it turns out he was the president, but he's the son of the owner, wrote back in an email that was pretty horrific. Uh, his comments in particular about trans people, his comments about the LGBTQ2S plus community appalling. And Dr. Christopher Wells was able to talk to us about that, among other things as well. He talked about Hockey Canada and the culture there. He talked about the need for equity and inclusion in sport. We talked to him about a number of issues, but in particular, this Valbella story. And in particular, why festivals like pride are so important he talked about the damage that words can cause and he talked about what he thought would be an important step he wants to see the rcmp speak with the individual that wrote this email it was an interesting take here he was on yesterday's real talk 
In this particular race, there's been a lot of speculation. <laughs> okay, we're getting Stephen Harper's voice and Chris Wells' face. It's kind of one of these days. It's like a late July day, and these things are happening. It's telling me that what we need to do is get our hands on a Caesar and hit a patio for the rest of the morning. What do you think, pal? Oh. All right, here's Dr. Christopher Wells. These kind of stereotypes uh, lead to a, a process of dehumanization that le leads to violence, which is really why I think that the RCMP should be involved in a situation like this and investigating this as a as a hate incident. It, it might not meet the threshold of a hate crime, but I, I think it's important that they go and they talk to this individual and talk to this company and say, you know, that um, this kind of language is, um, you know, problematic because it can lead to more serious consequences of violence. So this prompted an interesting conversation online, his assertion that he wanted the RCMP to have a conversation with this guy, with the guy that wrote the email. And, and, and I thought that it was um, interesting in the sense that you don't typically hear someone make that assertion, right? There's the idea that the business, if it's spoken on behalf of a business owner, that the business should pay a price. And boy, is it ever. And there's the understanding that the individual should be held accountable. But what is that accountability look like and some of you chimed in on twitter when we push out clips from every show we let you know we give you a little snippet of the interview and then we send you the link to let you know where you can listen to it in its entirety and brian made the argument that said hey listen this guy's got to have the same freedom of speech that david suzuki has john said i agree he said the views can be repugnant but they need to be held accountable in the court of public opinion asking for criminal accountability for every slight helps no one meantime Meredith says that's not a slight and yes it does help and meg says not if there's not criminal activity it makes the gesture a failure christy chimed in and said it's repugnant but it's not criminal the conversation was private and mr g says what's troubling to me is this regurgitation of this sort of GOP, you know, the QAnon conspiracy rhetoric. People are being radicalized from church pulpits. We don't make necessarily all the time definitive statements on how something should play out or the right way or the wrong way to address something. A lot of the times the role of a show like this is to solicit opinions and have conversations with one another. And we encourage the continuing conversation, not just on this story, but on the other ones that you hear about. How's Christy Clark looking right now? Do we have video? Are we able to get her in on video? We don't have video, but I believe we have audio. Okay, you know what? I'm pretty keen to get video. I'm pretty keen to have that because I want to make sure we connect with her. It's going to have implications for our social media and our YouTube channel and all that. So we're going to wrap it. It's okay. I'm going to get Christy Clark. I'm going to follow up with her. We're going to get her on the show on another no day. Worries. This is going to be a shorter edition of Real Talk, which is totally fine. Guess what? It's my wife's birthday today. This is the oh, universe birthday, telling. This Carrie. is the universe telling me. No, she's not going to listen to today's show. She just woke up to a platter full of cupcakes and an oat milk <laughs> latte. So I'm pretty sure she's enjoying herself on the back deck right now. It's the end of July, my friends. It's a beautiful day. Sometimes these things happen, and that's okay. We're going to reschedule with Christy Clark. I'm looking forward to that conversation, the former Premier of British Columbia, on the future of conservative politics in Canada. And we invite you to participate in these conversations, too. When we say we want to hear from you, we mean it. We've got some great conversations booked for tomorrow and into next week. In the meantime, spend some time with family and loved ones today. Go enjoy that great weather. If you're out on the golf course, may your drives be straight and your putts be long. Long. 
And make sure you let the people in your lives know how much you appreciate them. We appreciate you subscribing to our content, sharing it wherever you can, letting people know that the conversations that are making an impact with you are happening right here on Real Talk. Weekdays live at 8.30 Mountain or whenever later on demand. Thanks for it. Have a great Thursday. We'll talk to you soon. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepard, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.